Welcome to Always Authors, the literary podcast that presents two authors in candid conversation. On this episode, we're excited to bring you Mia P. Manansala, author of The Mysteries Arsenic and Adobo, and most recently, Homicide and Hallo Hallo. Mia is joined by Lin Liao Butler, author of The Tiger Mom's Tale, and most recently, Red Thread of Fate. They will discuss their lives and creative process, taking you deep into the world of working writers, where they ward off imposter syndrome, practice self-care to improve their craft, and plot new ways to embed their passion for traditional Asian food into their books. Inspiration starts now. Thanks so much for joining me on Always Authors. I know you're, you know, taking a little bit of a break to kind of recharge and uh, get some writing done in beautiful, sunny Hawaii. So thank you for waking up so early to join me for this chat. Hi, Mia. I'm so excited you asked me to do this with you on Always Authors podcast. Um, Yeah, I would do anything for you. So (laughs) and I thought I'd get to chat with you and talk about our writing and how we know each other and everything. Yeah, so I'm just going to be, I'm going to be a little bit, I'm going to pull from my teacher background. So I I like giving people an agenda ahead of time, just so you're not like shocked about what I'm going to be bringing up. So basically, I want to be talking a little bit like how we know each other and like the importance of community, um, our writing process, because I know a lot of listeners are interested in that kind of thing, kind of the the themes and inspirations for our books, and then maybe just like some general like recommendations and tips at the end, um, like what we're reading, what we're really enjoying right now, self-care, speaking of Hawaii, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. That's cool? Yeah, that's great, Mia. All right. So for um, for our listeners, Lynn and I met in, I want to say, what, 2020 for our debut? Yeah, I think it was 2020, yeah. Or actually, I think maybe even 2019. Oh, maybe. It's been so long, like time makes no sense to us anymore. Um, So Lynn and I are both 2021 uh, adult fiction debuts. Um, My book, Arsenic and Adobo, came out in May. And then Lynn's year came out in what, July? In July, yeah. Yeah, so um, The Tiger Mom's Tale. And so we originally met because there was a Facebook debut author group that we um, had both joined. Um, But then we realized that a lot of people were at the same publisher as us, the Berkeley Publishing Group. So we kind of created our own uh, d- group chat uh, since, you know, we thought like, oh, well, we'd probably have a lot in common. And um, then when you want to talk a little bit about like the Berkeleys and like what the writing community has been like for you. Yeah, I mean, I was so happy to, that we founded that group because the original 2021 debut group got so big that it was really hard to kind of connect with people and just and especially with different publishers things work differently so for us um, as Berkeley debuts it was so nice to find this little group that we called ourselves the Berkeleys um, which is like athletes I I thought it was the Berkeleys and then realized that it was wrong (laughs) Um, so we're the Berkeleys and we kind of helped each other I think there's about 10 or 15 of us that were the original Mm -hmm. group of the 2021-2022 and we've just basically helped each other out through the debut process especially during a pandemic when so many things were canceled and there was so much anxiety over you know what was going on with our books being pushed back and all this stuff. So it was just really nice. And Mia and I connected through that group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was awesome because um, there, the, the people in our group had like such various backgrounds, like some people like me, you know, I've technically been part of like the crime fiction writing community since 2016, maybe. So even though like I have, you know, my first book wasn't published until 2021, I felt 
comfortable-ish <laughs> with like the writing. Like I felt like I knew some things, right? Because I've had some writer friends who are a little further on the journey and who are very kind to share, you know, information about the publishing industry with me. And publishing is very opaque. Um, <laughs> kind of a you don't know what you don't know kind of a thing. Um, and there are, so this is the adult debut group. So we've had people who maybe like debuted in YA or middle grade, right. but even though, you know, a, you would think like a debut is a debut, but because the, the, the age categories, the readership, the general experience is so different. Um, you know, uh, so, you know, we have people who are like, well, I have, you know, experience in this area of publishing. So maybe yeah. I can help, but really this is all new for me too. We had some people, you know, who had indie self-publishing um, things who were like, well, I know about marketing, but I know nothing of the publish. So it was like a really, really fantastic mix of people. And we've been very lucky that like in general, we mesh quite well, um, right. which, you know, you don't yeah, always really get. Surprise, right. That uh -huh. was, uh, I mean, we just kind of like banded together. So um, it's been it's been wonderful. Like mm -hmm. we, I can go to you guys and commiserate when something terrible happens, or you know when you're getting imposter syndrome and you're like, mm -hmm. oh my god, everybody hates me and my books. And we help each other, and we can just you know kind of boost each other. And then when we have good news, we all celebrate together, which is also another great because a lot of my friends who are not writers they don't understand <laughs> the highs and lows that we go through and how you know devastating something could be or how great some little thing is. So. It's been great just to have people to bounce that off of. Yeah, you know, like even people who are just in your life who are just like wonderfully supportive um, and, 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 and want to cheer you on for everything, you know, but they, but they do it in a very like, you know, like like general way because they, they don't really grasp what those things mean for us. And I'm still, I can't remember, I don't know if you, do you remember who it was, Lynn? Like one of our Berkeley group, like, like their, they, they received a starred review from, you know, oh, from like Publishers Weekly or Kirkless or something, you know, and, and the, their husband was, was like, oh, was it you? And it was like, oh, like, that was me. and you know, and then <laughs> he's like, oh, they only, <laughs> was like, he was like, um, they only gave you one star. That's really bad. Why are you so happy? <laughs> like, I couldn't remember no, no, who one it was. star is actually good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My husband was so worried. He was like, he, he went to read it and he was like, Lynn, they only give you one star. I'm like, no, uh, one star is good for these crazy things. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he was very concerned um, and about this. So, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was like such a cute story. I was just like, again, the one of that just like wanting to be like really careful, like, oh, no, are you OK? Right. You right. only got one star. Like, I know, like, no, 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 no. This is like, this is a good thing. Um, like, yeah, they, they just, they don't know. Right. Uh, like, right. Something, you know, usually like in real life, I guess five stars or you know, whatever <laughs> it is, is good. And they didn't realize that in trade, um, publish like trade reviews, they either give you no stars and they, you know, pan it. They give you no stars, but it's a great review or they give you one star, which is a really good review. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten both. I've gotten the pan where they hated it. And then that one star, and I was so excited about the one star, and he was just like, <laughs> I, had, I had to explain the whole thing. So, <laughs> yeah. Whereas you know, like in our group, we're like, you know, we could be like, I got a starred review, and everyone's screaming because right. we know what that means, and we're you know we're sharing all over social media, and it's really great, you know. And then also, <laughs> we'll you know we some we get those panned reviews, and we have our commiseration, and we'll you know we'll be there like hyping each other up, like don't listen to them. Right. You know, I read <laughs> your book. Don't we, they don't know what about. they're talking about. Um, <laughs> 
So it, it, it yeah. really is like a safe space for us to kind of like feel our feelings because, you know, um, not everyone's going to kind of understand where we are right, right. now. Um, and this industry yeah. is so hard. It can be so lonely. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so hard. I mean, I don't think people, um, you know, because when I was before I had an agent, I was like, once I get an agent, everything's going to be roses. And (laughs) if I get a publishing deal, it's going to be all great from there on. But it is so hard. Like, Mm -hmm. I literally have days I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, (laughs) you know, like, why am I putting myself out there? Like, is anybody else going to want to read this book? Like, you know, I have two books published now and a third one coming in January, next January 2023. And I still feel like, like, nobody wants to read this. Like, you know, what am I doing? And it's it's such a weird industry, like in that way, where like we're just we're constantly um, like judging ourselves, and you want to, like we're, because the milestones are continually moving, right? There's never like a right, you know, it's, you don't get like a performance review at like like an office job where you're like, great, you know, like you hit this, you hit this, you hit this, fantastic, you're getting a raise. Now it's just like. Um, you know, it's like, oh, if only I f- could finish a manuscript that I'm happy with. If only I could get an agent. If only I could sell a book. If only I could sell a book for X amount of money. If only I could get like a film. Up. If And then you just keep stacking it and stacking it. And right. <laughs> yeah. And there's always something else like and, you know, you don't you try not to compare mm-hmm. yourself to others. But it's so hard when you're seeing people hitting milestones ahead of you. And then I have to remind myself, like, look. You're at a big five publisher. You have two books out. There are people behind you who are looking at your life and saying, I wish I had her life. So it's like there's always something else to strive for. So unless you're like Stephen King, but I bet even Stephen King has imposter syndrome sometimes, like trying to keep up with his fans, maybe or something. But um, it's like you never quite get to where you think you're going Mm -hmm. because they keep moving and then, well, you the also markers. you also want to keep getting better, you know. Like it's it, in one way, I'm like I'm so so proud of Arsenic and Adobo, but like, and, and I want it to be like a made. But at the same time, I'm just like, but I want to get better with every book. So th- th- there's no way for Arsenic and Adobo to be like this book in my head, but also like that's like that's where I start. I don't want to end right. there. I want to keep on improving with every book. Right. Exactly. Um, and not every book's going to be a hit, but, you know, but at the very least, I want to, like, try new things or explore different themes, you know, always be learning. I don't really want to, like, kind of rest in my lower. Because, like, you know, like Stephen King, who could probably, like, you know, like we assume he doesn't care. But I feel like if you, if someone has that much money and they want to keep on writing, they right. do it because they love it. Right. So they have their own benchmarks, maybe. So it's like, yeah, I think if you really truly love writing and you kind of have to right if you want to (laughs) this industry right because you know we don't make a ton of money it's it takes a long for for me i'm a slow writer i know lynn like we'll talk about this like in a few minutes but like (laughs) amazes me every time how she can you know finish a draft so quickly but like just insert so much into it um so you know we'll, we'll be talking about our process in a minute but but yeah just it takes a long time for a book to be published. Right. It does not necessarily make a ton of money. Yeah. Um, and it, could, it is very and, emotionally. Yeah. And some just because you write a book doesn't mean it'll sell. Like there's so many mm-hmm. books that have gotten, you know, they call it died on sub where, you know, it goes oh, out yeah. to editors and it just dies. Um, I know so many people who has gone through so many books and it's, you don't, you don't know, like you could write a book that mm-hmm. you love and Maybe it's the wrong atmosphere, the wrong timing, the wrong editors, whatever it is, it could mm-hmm. just not sell. And that's the sad part is like, you know, 
it could you could be writing and nobody could mm-hmm. ever read it except maybe your agent and subcontractors. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's sad. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's like this one of the hardest things I know for a lot of us, like we talk about it all the time in our chat, is, is that accepting the fact that publishing is not a meritocracy, right? right? Like just because someone is a good writer mm-hmm. does not necessarily mean that they will get the deal that they, or a deal at all, even right. as you said, right? Lots of, lots of amazing books die in sub just because they're not reaching the editors at the time that, you know, that uh, at the right time, right. you know, the the higher ups are not willing to invest in certain voices or certain themes because they think it's too much of a risk, you know, stuff like that. So um, not to uh, <laughs> turn anyone off from this, but just like kind of get know what you're getting into. Right. Again, build your community early because when you find these things out, they, there can be some very harsh truths and having those people around you that you trust um to make to to make uh, for a softer landing shall right, we say right. uh, is, is pretty wonderful and just to have that um that backup from people who you know mm-hmm. get it and understand i mean i can't stress enough how much a writing community as an author is you know that you want to get published mm-hmm. you need that because it's such a lonely thing and you you know otherwise i'd be sitting there by myself like all these questions and just not knowing what was going on and to have that community mm-hmm. and that backing and just, you know, their feedback and process, I think is so helpful. I sometimes mm-hmm. think that our agents and editors are probably saying to themselves, like, I wish these Berkeleys would stop talking to themselves. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're like, because I'll ask my agent a question. She's like, well, it's different for everyone. It's, you know, and I just get the feeling they're like, uh, I wish there these people would stop talking to each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, and not in a bad way, just like, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes I question things and they're like, uh, <laughs> where'd you hear yeah. that? <laughs> mm-hmm. so. Well, cause, because it's really hard. Because like, in many ways, yes, right? Eyes on your own page, right. like as you mentioned earlier, right? Because it's so easy to compare and everyone's journey is different. It truly is. And, you know, professional jealousy exists and there's not professional envy, professional jealousy, however you want to define it. Um, and that's not a problem right like it's it's natural but it's, it's how you deal with that right like can I be you know can I be extremely happy that you've got this amazing deal but also be kind of sad that I'm like oh I wish I had that too right, right? also like not in place of right. you but as well right so like finding that balance um, but then there's also as I said this industry is not a meritocracy how like Am I getting fair treatment right. from this industry, from from this particular publisher, and how can I know that? Because they, you know, they don't say how much they're paying per book. They don't say, you know, the specifics of particular contracts. And it's only by, um, you know, whisper networks, people who are who are willing to share, so that you know, it's like, oh, well, they told me X is impossible, right. and it's like it's impossible for, for you, <laughs> but it's not impossible for certain authors and. Is that fair and why? Right. You know, so like, so just kind of being knowledgeable and, and not just accepting everything that's told to you because, of course, they want you to believe that, oh no, we never give this many books in a deal or we never give this much. It's like, really? Right. Because we I know, know like three yeah. other people. <laughs> exactly. Like, or like, you know, um, we, we're not doing arcs anymore, like physical arcs anymore. That was, oh, one, yeah. That was one that we heard recently that I was like, hmm, but then. Arts are coming back, but, but it's okay. It's like, but you know, it's, I, I just, I've been finding this business the last year has been, well, the last few months has been a little rough for me. I think, you know, mm-hmm. from our chats, mm-hmm. what's been going on, but it's, um, you know, like it's just to a point where I actually stopped chatting in our chat for a little bit because I couldn't deal mm-hmm. with 
everything going on. But at the same time, I took a few moments off. And this is why I'm here on this writing retreat also. Mm-hmm. I needed to get out of New York. Um, I normally live in New York. And, you know, with the just life and everything, it's like I needed to recharge and to find that enthusiasm mm-hmm. again for writing because I was getting a little discouraged. And um, like you said, I write very fast. And my agent says I write faster than traditional publishing works, which means mm-hmm. I have a lot of downtime where I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so for me, like coming like Kauai, Hawaii is just like my safe place. It's like my home almost like I, every time I come here, I feel like I'm home. And mm-hmm. it's where I come to get like just inspiration and that love of writing again. And I think I found it again like two nights ago. So, <laughs> oh, that's so fantastic! I'm so yeah. happy. <laughs> she's been posting like these like fantastic photos. We're all like super jealous. So she's like on the, on the beach with baby goats and, oh, yeah. <laughs> and all these wonderful things. I, I've been uh, oh. finding baby goats, baby dogs, and baby chickens. I didn't show you the baby <laughs> chickens. They're little chick chickens that just hatch. So I'll post those later. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is like a really nice segue from like some of the dreary stuff, you know, about yeah. publishing or but all like just like our writing and our and our creative inspiration in general. Um, so for you, um, like, what is it about retreats? Like, like, what is writing at home like versus when you take this, the, like this, these long trips for yourself, uh, specifically for writing? Like, wh- how do you notice the difference? Um, so I have a nine-year-old, which, you know, he was, I guess, six, seven when the pandemic started. And it was there. Mm-hmm. I did not write during the pandemic because he was home and I had to homeschool him. And that mm-hmm. did not go well. He uh, retired from my school. <laughs> <laughs> six weeks into it, he comes to me and says, Mommy, I retire from your school. I'm like, you can't retire. <laughs> You're eight or whatever you were. Um, so I didn't write. I had to hide in my car to write. That was like when my husband, he's an FDNY fireman was home, I had to like go in my car and write because he's always like, mommy, mommy. Well, he calls mm-hmm. me Marinette. Um, he's like, Marinette, Marinette. Um, so Marinette. yeah, it's from um, Miraculous, this ladybug. Um, it's, oh, okay, uh, okay, it's okay, a cartoon. Okay. He's like obsessed with it. He's, he's um, Adrian or Cat Noir and I'm Marinette or ladybug. <laughs> so anyways, I, that's what I hear all day. And it's just hard to write in New York, especially in the winter. I'm a, I finally decided that I'm a very um, weather, I guess, affected personality. Mm-hmm. So when it's dark and dreary and rainy and cold, it, it depresses me. Like I, my mood is down and I can't focus. When there's sunshine and like bright, mm-hmm. like I'm a warm weather person. I could be happy just like this in tank top, flip flops all day long. I get inspired. So that's why I love Kauai so much and why we came here. And then it also like inspired me to write a book um, based here, which is what my thriller is coming out. Um, and then Mia has kind of <laughs> get me to like, we realized that even in my regular contemporary fiction, someone always dies. And so Mia's been trying to bring me to the dark side. She's like, come to us, come to the mystery thriller side. And last year when I was in Kauai, my, it was supposed to be a women's fiction contemporary novel. It got darker and darker, and then there was a stalker, <laughs> and then an accidental murder, and then an intentional murder. And I came home, and I was like, I don't like this book. And somebody else, another thriller author of mine, was like uh, Brady Goffrey and Robin Fainster oh. was like, um, Lynn, this isn't women's fiction. This is a thriller. <laughs> I was like, oh, Okay. So I took it to my agent and she, at first she thought I was kind of out of my mind because I had also written a YA 
And she's like, you can't be writing all these different genres. You hadn't even been published yet at that point. <laughs> she's like, your reader, you, you know, your readership is going to get confused. And she read it. She's like, you know what? You're right. This is the thriller. So we sold it. <laughs> so all thanks for me. And then Mia was like, yes, I brought her over to the dark side. <laughs> Well, because because you know, she said like everything she said, you know, every book she's written, you know, that someone always dies. And like while she was on this trip, again, like she was kind of telling us like how like her research was going and stuff like that. And she was like, yeah. And I asked someone like what happens if like someone fell into this river and like how long it would take to find the body. And I'm like, Lynn, you realize those are like mystery writer, like research type questions, like those really weird, like awkward, like we have to be like, oh, but I'm writing a book, I swear, you know. Well, I see. Yeah. Like I was I was at a I was at a winery. Um, <laughs> last summer because book three takes place at a winery and I wanted to be like okay let me visit a Illinois based winery because my, my books take place in a fictional town just outside of Chicago um, just to get like a, a feel of like what would that even be like you know because when people think wineries they think like you know California like right. Napa Valley and that kind of a thing so I wanted to see what that was like and I asked them I'm just like alright so how many people would be around during this time and <laughs> if this happened what would, and then I'd have to be like I'm an author. I, you know, like I, I, I like I had like I was like I'm an author. Like this is not. I'm not trying to be weird. Um, I just need to know certain things. Um, <laughs> it's not your winery. I promise. I'm not gonna make it look bad. You know. So I had because people like you'll ask a question like not really thinking about it, and then you'll see you'll get like a look, <laughs> and then you're like, oh no no no, it's for a book. I promise. <laughs> I I scared somebody because I was um we rented kayaks and I'm standing on the edge of the Wailua River and I'm asking the guy I was like so if there's a big storm and the swell happened and someone's standing there could they be like washed away and he's like oh yeah that happens all the time because they don't realize when the surge happens and he's explaining this and I got all excited I was like oh yay then that's how I'm gonna have her die and he starts backing away <laughs> he's like uh what do you mean and I'm like no 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 it's a, I'm a writer I swear <laughs> So I told yeah. my editor, and she's like, why don't we make you some bookmarks that you can hand out so people know you're a legit writer and not just plotting a murder? Um, mm. I, oh, by the way, I almost had somebody call the cops on me because what? <laughs> last in November, I was um, I went to visit. I said it in a specific street in um, Kauai, and I went to visit the street. It's a dead-end street, private, you know, no outlet. Mm. And I'm taking, I took a selfie of myself with the bamboo tunnel in the background because I wanted to remember what it looked like to describe and mm -hmm. I guess the women in the house thought I was taking a picture of her house because you know I held it up like this she comes storming oh. outside it's like why are you taking care of picture of my house I'm gonna call the cops are you caging are you like you know caging my house are you gonna come back and rob it who are you and she was like gonna call the cops I'm like no no I swear I'm not <laughs> and she was just like don't be taking pictures of it and I tried to give her a bookmark and she went off on me and I was like I backed away I was like I I'm sorry I'm leaving now don't call the cops Ooh, <laughs> was like, like the Ooh. best research story <laughs> so I never went and I actually posted the selfie I took on I think Twitter and I said so do I look like you know someone <laughs> and all these thriller writers were like call the cops right now <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yeah, we don't believe you. Arrest her. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yeah, oh, you got to be careful what you do out there. I know. Like, like there's so many times you're just like, like, wow, I must look really shifty right now because I'm like looking under things or I'm trying to like, I'm like, hang, like, there's like, like, there's like an overpass. I'm just kind of hanging out and looking around. I'm just like, I wonder if I can use this like for something. Right. Or, you know, Can just someone fall <laughs> off there? <laughs> 
Yeah. So for me, like I don't get to like I don't do retreats as lavish as you, sadly. I really wish I could. Hawaii is definitely a bucket list vacation, but I do. And, you know, and like I have so much respect for you and the other like because like I know so many like writing like par- like parents who are uh, writers who are parents. And I'm like, I have no kids. I have a part time job like my dogs are my biggest responsibility. <laughs> and I still am so easily distracted, um, you know, when I'm at home and trying right. to work. Right. And so like, you know, like, so I'll, I'll, you know, if I'm on really like crunch, like I just got my copy edits today, I think I wouldn't, and I was just like, well, guess who has like a hotel writing retreat coming up because you have to pass your area. Yeah. Mm hmm. There's something about just going someplace else and knowing like I took the time and in some cases the money to invest in in my own, like a special writing space and a special writing time. And I have to use it that way. And um, I know for some people, maybe that would be pressure, but for me, it's just like, oh, I'm giving, I gave myself permission to only, like, I don't have to feel bad that I'm not paying attention to my husband. I don't have to feel bad that I forgot to make dinner. I don't have to feel bad that like, oh, my alarm went off and I was supposed to feed the dogs an hour ago, but right. I was in the middle of, right? I don't have to worry about that. You don't have to make dinner. I, you don't, I don't have to do yeah. the laundry. I don't have to play with my son or my three dogs. You know, it's like. Yeah, exactly. It's just like I gave myself the permission to just subsist on like cheese and crackers and tea and then exactly. fo- like just live entirely in my fictional world and write until whatever needs to be done. It, it's it's like so freeing. And, yeah. you know, it's kind of I, obviously, you know, that that's a big financial privilege because, right. you, um, you know, even if you're saying somewhere nearby, lots of people don't have that time to be able to be away from their kids, to be away from their jobs exactly. or have somebody so to watch your child while you're away. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, um, I'm so lucky because, um, you know, people ask me all the time, like how I can afford it. We do, you know, my husband's an FDNY fireman. I'm a yoga and fitness instructor. We obviously don't make a lot of money, but mm-hmm. the reason why I'm able to do this is because I don't spend money on anything else. Like you, you can see, I don't cut my hair. I don't color <laughs> my hair. I don't wear makeup. I don't wear clothes. I mean, I wear clothes. <laughs> yeah, I walk around naked. I was like, Lynn. <laughs> no, I meant like, Spicy. I don't, <laughs> I buy like, you know, like $10 t-shirts and like, right, I, don't, right. I don't spend money on um, like designer things. I make my own bags. I don't buy handbags. I don't wear shoes. Like I literally wear two ninety nine flip flops. <laughs> you know, so like I spend the only money I spend is really food and you know things for my dogs and my son. And then it's the reason why I'm able to afford this. This is like the tax return that we get back from my writing because mm-hmm. it offsets my our income. We get this tax return back that is kind of like my private money because mm-hmm. everything else goes into a share fund. And so I choose to use it to come mm-hmm. to Hawaii because that for me is a passion. And, you know, it's like something like, you know, people you ask like with this money, like, what can you do with it? Some people like to buy shoes and buy mm-hmm. whatever clothes or buy designer wines or whatever. I drink the cheap five ninety nine or whatever. <laughs> that barefoot so wine. <laughs> this is my vice, I guess. Mm-hmm. This is my expense, what I choose. Like, like you said, self-care. This is my mm-hmm. self-care. Is to be able to come here and recharge because it makes me a better parent when I go mm-hmm. home, and it makes me more um, patient, I guess, with things. Although my husband probably would not say that <laughs> <laughs> when I'm getting grumpy and he's trying to, I'm writing and he's talking to me. I'm like, stop talking to me, go away. 
But yeah, but I mean, so that's but it's how also, I it. it's, it's an investment, you know, like some people will be like, oh, that's so selfish. But like, again, like it makes you a better, better. person because you're, you're right. like, you're taking the time for yourself, which means you're not stretching yourself thin, trying to be a super mom who does everything. Like you are looking at yourself as a full person right. who needs to be able to recharge. And then you bring that into your writing. You bring that into your family life. You, you know, so um, I think, yeah, I think that's great. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, in a way it is selfish, but at the same time, I believe I, I deserve that too. And I'm actually mm-hmm. working from here. I'm teaching virtual yoga and cardio classes that people are paying me for. I mm-hmm. brought my Etsy. I have an Etsy shop of like little purses I make. I brought them with me. So I've been selling them from here. So it's not, you know, so I'm actually kind mm-hmm. of still working mm-hmm. um, besides the writing time. So it's, yeah. it's, it's been great. It's like. But I mean, like selfish, it's, that's a term, you know, especially used for women and especially, especially for moms where you're like, you right. don't get to be a person, right? You are a mom and that's like your role or like, you know, or, you know, like you're a writer or you're whatever your career is and you can only be that thing. Um, so like, you know, you're being like, well, it is selfish, but that's okay. And it's like, yeah, it is. Right. It's my self care. Like we said, mm-hmm. like, it's very important. And I, I think it just rounds. I don't know if you saw it. I think a few months ago, maybe last year, Carrie Underwood did that commercial where she's like, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a mm-hmm. singer, whatever. And she has all this, um, but I'm also me. And she takes care of, she's like, you know, if, when I take care of myself, I'm a better person. And I mm-hmm. fully believe that. Because if I don't take care of myself, I'm a, I have no patience. I'm a grumpy, mm-hmm. angry, hangry, mm-hmm. you know, like, bitch, basically. Yeah. Like, I... <laughs> I am not fun to be around. People tell me, oh, you always look so happy and friendly. I'm like, I am not. I am like, (laughs) ask my husband. I can be a ranting, like raving Mm -hmm. lunatic sometimes. Like, so if I don't take care of myself, that's what happens. So, Mm -hmm. so I believe it's for the good of other people, not just me. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, and again, because like self-care looks so different for different people. Right. Right. So, you know. Um, you know, I've, I've mentioned this in the group. So like my, my last day at my day job is actually, um, the, the 25th of this month. So like in oh, <laughs> less than two yeah, weeks, I'm like, oh, you know, and you know, as a full-time writer, you know, which, you know, you might be like, but you just said you don't make a lot of money. Like I don't. So, right. you know, it might sound a little selfish that I'm leaving my job and I'm having my husband who is the one with the stable job and, and the benefits who's going to be kind of carrying us just a little bit longer until I get more established. Right. But um, we both agreed, like, as you said, that I am a happier, better person when I figure out how to better balance the projects that mean something to me. Right. Um, and you know, like, so like my day job is like, I work in the library and I, I really like my job, but right. the more time goes on during this pandemic, that's just never ending. And, you yeah. know, <laughs> I, I've learned, you know, where I want to direct my energy Right. Because we have, you know, we have so little energy, we have so little time. And I know for me, writing is what I care about. It's my passion. And that's where I want it to go. But if I'm trying to do everything, I'm trying to, you know, you know, I work because I work in youth services. I don't want to let the kids out. I want to do a good job there. And I want to do an amazing job in my writing. And I want to be in, sadly, that involves like promo and, you know, admin things. And so me trying to balance all those things has made me like, you said, like, it's like a huge, like I'm a huge bitch. And my husband's like, you know, sometimes I'll be like, uh, my husband's like, I th- I feel like you're saying the word I forgot a lot because I'll be like, oh, I forgot that I have to turn in this blog post tomorrow or I forgot right, I right. promised this interview. I forgot I have this podcast. I f-, and he's like, 
don't you think maybe you're doing too much then? If you're saying I forgot like literally every day. Um, so, <laughs> yes, you are. You know, so. Yeah. So like, you know, part of my so is like knowing what to say yes to, what to say no to and and being honest with myself of where I want to spend that time and energy. I'm so um, glad that you're doing that for yourself <laughs> because that, that's the same thing with why I'm here. Like, you know, I, I said to my, my husband has been so supportive, just like yours from mm-hmm. the very beginning. Like he was... Um, I never, I, before I got an agent, I told nobody that I was writing except for my husband. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I told him was because I would disappear. For hours <laughs> and I, I didn't want him to think I was having an affair. So I was like, um, I'm doing this thing where I'm writing and not make any money. <laughs> so if I disappear, it's not because I'm having an affair. I'm just going to a writing you know, critique group in New York City. But I told no one. It was like a secret. Um, but he's been so supportive from the very beginning. And he's he was the one that said, Go to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I take care of the three dogs and the child. My, my, I'm so lucky that my parents live like 15 minutes from us. So they're able to watch the dogs and watch my child. And um, so it's been just, I'm, I'm very lucky. But mm-hmm. I, that's all I have to say. But I, I, you know, found a way to make it work for us mm-hmm. and for me. So if I wasn't able to have that, I would have found a different way to, you know, take care of myself and find the right mm-hmm. inspiration. And like, like last year, I wrote, I think, two and a half books while I was here. So <laughs> Which I'm like, what? I'm like, I can't write two and a half books in like a year. <laughs> you know? I literally wrote that YA book. I wrote 50% of the YA book in two weeks. Um, and yeah, I've, so it's, it's like I'm, when I'm here, I'm just inspired to write. So mm-hmm. that's, that's I mean, that's. I come. Yeah, that's one. And again, you guys, apparently like, you have to squeeze in the writing when you can. So like right. if you can cram it all into like the time you spend there and then when you're at home, you have to focus on other things. At least you had spent that time. And so, you know, you have things in the works, right? Like you you, you don't yes. have to worry like, oh, am I doing enough? Oh, do I have time to fit in my writing? You can kind of focus. You can give your full attention to the to to each thing in your life or exactly. each person and I've in your noticed, life. <laughs> I've noticed about myself is that if I have a deadline, I can eat. I will do it. If you don't give me mm-hmm. a deadline and just like nothing's happening, I will not write a single word. So like if mm. uh, you tell me you need to write an entire book in two weeks, I will sit down and write that book for you. <laughs> like with my uh, thriller with Amazon, I had sold it on, I think, five or six chapters. And once I got the contract, I had literally, I think, five and a half weeks to write the book, the rest of the book. <laughs> and I did it. I wrote it. And then my editors were horrified because it was awful. <laughs> I had, my um, developmental editor was like, she didn't tell me this, but I knew afterwards. I said to her, you were horrified, weren't you? And she's like, well, not horrified, but I was very concerned because they took two, week, two and a half weeks to rewrite it. And I did it because I had a deadline and I did it. And she said to me later, she's like, Yes, I was very <laughs> You have proven yourself. You are a writer. You are amazing. <laughs> so I teased her in the acknowledgement. I was like, I know you were horrified. You wouldn't admit it. But <laughs> so, but that's how I write. I, I like to mm-hmm. be under pressure. You give me a deadline, I'll do it. How do you write? I, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely like outside um, deadline. So like, you know, before I had... Uh, an agent or anything like like I would enter a lot of like contests um, right. like like for grants and awards and things like that because I had to finish a certain amount by a certain deadline and that's like the only you know the only reason I ever finished my first book the one not Arsenic and Adobo I had a book before this that didn't get sold um, that died on sub as Lynn mentioned right. that happens a lot 
Um, so like that, that was my pitch wars book. And the, again, the only reason I ever finished that book was because like, oh, um, the person who would become my mentor, Kelly Garrett, um, she, like she had told me about this mentorship program, which sadly it, it ended this year. Um, but it, yeah. it's, it, it, for, for a decade, it was a wonderful mentorship program. And like the, I had to have a full manuscript by a certain date. And I was just like, oh, I don't want to, like, this person showed interest in me and was kind enough to let me know about this program. I don't want to pass up this opportunity. So, you know, I went from having, like, I don't know, four chapters done to, like, <laughs> I need to finish this book <laughs> in, like, two two or three months or something like that. Because um, in the past, like, I would just kind of rewrite the same pages over and over, you know, right, I, wanted right. to make, I wanted them to be right. I wanted them to be good. But I never moved past that. So, um Finding things where, like, I have to finish by this date or else. Um, yeah, I, I am very much outside driven. Uh, that's why, like, sometimes, like, I'll tell, like, my agent, like, um, things just so she can kind of give me a deadline, you know, because, like, I'm right. also trying to venture. <laughs> like, I'm trying to diversify and venture into, like, oh, what if I try this genre? What if I try this age category? She's like, okay, when do you think it'll be done? I'm just like, oh, okay, good, okay. a date. I can do this. <laughs> I just went to my um, agent, like literally this on Friday and said, okay, don't think I'm bonkers, but what do you think if I wrote a rom-com? She's, like, she's like, okay, you're not bonkers and you can steal your own ideas and make, turn it into a rom-com instead. So now I think I'm going to, I have just outlined a rom-com. So. I blame the Berkeleys because I'm also working on a rom-com. Exactly. Right? <laughs> and I'm just like. They're influenced. But my problem is though, I cannot write sex scenes to save my life. Same. So my cozy rom- mystery yeah, for a reason. My rom-com is going to be very clean and pretty. <laughs> I just, I, it's not that I don't like reading them. I love reading them. I just cannot do it. So yeah. <laughs> I tried it. It was so cringeworthy. I was like. <laughs> yeah, that first book that I wrote, the one again, the, the, my Pitch Wars one, the, the Death Comes oh. to Comic-Con, it had a sex scene. And at first I was like, I think it's really important to the story and I don't want to cut it. And Kelly was like, I think you should cut it. And I looked back, I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry I made you read that. It was so, <laughs> so terrible. This is so embarrassing. You are a thousand percent right. Yeah, no, it's got to go. <laughs> and, and like, I've just, I've been, I've, I've been too afraid to like attempt it again. And I'm like, right. and now I'm just like, is, oh, will I go that route? I don't know. <laughs> I tried and I was like, you know, maybe inspiration was strike, but um, no, yeah, I'll leave that to other people. I'll just allude to it and then they close the door and you don't see it. So. So we're going to take a brief break to hear from a sponsor, but when we come back, I'm going to metaphorically join Lynn on a writer's retreat. But instead of Hawaii, we're going to a desert island. Hi, I'm Carrie Mayer, author of the national best-selling book, The Paris Bookseller. So I'm not just a writer, I'm an avid reader. And since Always Authors is sponsored by Bookfinity, I wanted to tell you a little bit more about it. Bookfinity is a website that is built by readers for readers, so you can get personalized book recommendations, create and share your book lists, review books, and refer friends to earn rewards. You start by taking a quick quiz to discover your reader type, and once you complete the quiz, you'll be taken to your My Bookfinity account. I took the quiz and got my reader type. I am a heroin addict, which is so accurate because I do love strong female leads. Now when I log into my Bookfinity account, I will get personalized book recommendations based on my reader type. Bookfinity also has a like it or lose it function, so I can quickly like the books that I'm interested in or lose the ones that I'm not. And it has a unique review system that goes beyond a star rating. 
I love that I can review a book based on how it made me feel and recommend it to others. To get started, visit bookfinity.com and take the reader type quiz and create your personalized account today. We love that Always Author supports independent booksellers everywhere. On this episode, we'd like to give a shout out to an unlikely story bookstore and cafe in Plainville, Massachusetts. Nothing better than some coffee or tea to accompany a dive into your favorite books. All right, then. So if I knew that Lynn was going to be stranded on a desert island, the three books I would send with her are, um, and I'm going to caveat this by saying the first two are me specific. So I'm being greedy. I'm just like, I want you to read the books that I think everybody needs to read. And the third one is a little bit more Lynn specific because I know it's something that we share. So the first book on the list is A Study in Scarlet Women by Sherry Thomas. It's the first book in the Lady Sherlock series, which is like my current favorite series of anything ever. If I could just be like, can I just give her the entire series and that's good? Um, No? Okay, let me choose one book then. And so I would suggest she starts with the first. The next one, it's it's a choice. Um, Again, as I've mentioned, I've been reading a lot of romance. um, And these two authors in these particular books, I kind of actually shout them out in my acknowledgments for my second novel just because they meant so much to me at the time and kind of pulled me from a dark place. Um, They're both by uh, black women authors. They both feature my favorite trope, fake dating, Um, but they have very different feels and vibes. So like, this is why I'm like, you can choose your fake dating adventure. The one is Take a Hint, Danny Brown by Talia Hibbert, or um, you can choose A Prince on Paper by Alyssa Cole. Both of those are excellent. Uh, they have very different takes on you know, the black female experience and fake dating, um, but I love them both equally. And then finally, this one, Lynn, if you haven't read it before, um, I really enjoyed it. A Tiger in the Kitchen, a memoir of food and family by Cheryl Lulian Ten. Uh, Cheryl, I'm sorry if I, if I said your, your, your name wrong. Um, and as you mentioned, we really love like family drama. We, we didn't talk about that. We love family drama, but we do actually kind of love family drama and we love food. And so this is um, a Chinese Singaporean American kind of reconnecting to her family and her heritage through the recipes that she's learning um, from her uh, deceased um, paternal grandmother's side of the family. So she's kind of learning about that side. They've kind of there's been a drift. So she's learning about her family through the recipes that they're sharing with her. And then also connecting with her mother's side of the family and, and learning those recipes and things like that. So it's, oh, talk about a book that makes you so hungry. <laughs> I, I think you would really enjoy it. I think I'm going to take all four of them. If I'm going to break the rules. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to break the rules with you and tell you that if you are in a desert island or in Hawaii with me, um, all the Berkeley's books, but that's kind of breaking the rules because that would be. A I, yeah, yeah. I know. That's so why I'm just like, oh, let me be nice and like mention a book that like she maybe doesn't know because obviously all the Berkeley's books right. are must haves. Of course. So look up all the Berkeley's. But um, my recommendations for you um, the first one is in your genre. It's a cozy mystery, Death by Bubble Tea. Um, it's by Jennifer J. Chow. And it's just because it's, you know, bubble tea and it's yeah. <laughs> to share and um it's also by an author of color asian author and so i just thought it was it would be a fun read where you know we can go into that whole bubble tea and plus like death by bubble tea i mean you know. <laughs> and then um the second one is more like a thoughtful kind of like what i used um, the genre i started writing in women's fiction it's called secret lives of mothers and daughters by amida kushwaha um and it's about like 
mothers and daughters, basically, in a generation. Um, I guess it's like three generations. And it's also about adoption, which is something that, you know, my son is adopted. Mm-hmm. So it's a theme that's close to my heart. And I think you would just enjoy it because it just takes you into this Indian family and how each everybody has secrets and what the repercussions of the secrets are. So that's more like a thoughtful thing that you can read, you know, if you're, mm-hmm. you know, stuck on an island, you got nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> you can be contemplating relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and my last one is also kind of for you. It's called also Filipino, 74 <laughs> regional edition. Oh, hello. I never had <laughs> growing up by Angelo Comsti. I think that's how you say his last name. Um, but it's basically, it is, it's not really a, uh, I guess it's like a recipe book, but it also takes you into, like he actually goes and knocks on doors of different regions in the Philippines to find their family recipes. And like you said, like recipes that you don't know about besides pancit mm-hmm. and adobo and comes up with all these like interesting, I mean, it's going to make you, it made me hungry. I wanted to go to the Philippines and knock on these doors <laughs> and like, ask them, can you make me this? Um, so just something to drool over. I don't know if we have... Um, cooking facilities on these desert islands (laughs) and if you have the ingredients that you can you know cobble them together somehow but maybe they'll airdrop them to us and can Mm -hmm. try them out so (laughs) that's awesome like that's super new to me like i haven't heard of that so like i'm definitely adding that to to my list so thank you for that yeah thank you for your your reads one thing that i think we you and i have also a lot in common besides the food which we'll talk about Mm -hmm. is the dogs yeah right? <laughs> you have to tell everybody who's on your cover yeah because <laughs> yeah, i was actually gonna say i'm like actually let's talk like since we're actually talking about like our writing like let's talk about like a lot of the things yeah. we share so many like even though our books are so so different a lot of our themes right. are, are kind of the same um exactly and since you're since we're talking about our dogs so i uh i've adopted two dogs sally they're not the dog on my cover but maybe someday maybe someday <laughs> I'll, I'll write them into something um so in my series the tita rosie's um kitchen mystery series my protagonist lila has a little wiener dog named longanisa and longanisa is is a type of filipino sausage so it's you know it's like I don't know I was like this, I I just love the idea of this cute little chubby like little sausage dog named after a Filipino sausage I love that dog so much. Right. It's perfect, <laughs> and I actually have a sausage dog that looks just like Longanisa, and we try to put her on my shoulder to reprise um, your cover. Except Loki does not like to be picked up like that, and she peed on me. So. <laughs> I appreciate what you trying to, trying to get that picture, and I can't figure out how to get her on my shoulder. <laughs> but so I had two dog, two hot dogs that look like long me. So one of them, sadly, passed away right before the pandemic. So there was just Loki. And then um, I got this great idea to foster dogs during the pandemic, thinking I would foster one dog. Um, We ended up fostering 15 dogs. (laughs) (laughs) And we foster failed two of them. So now we have three dogs. And one of them is a long-haired dachshund. And one we thought was a Beagle-Basset mix. Um, So I broke out of the hot dog thing. But then we did her DNA test. And it turns out she's half longanista, (laughs) brown red short hair dachshund like purebred dachshund and the other half is some sort of chesapeake bay retriever or something so apparently i have this thing for dachshund <laughs> why like you know i'm so drawn to mia's longanista not not just her like um not just because 
of her the dog, but because of her book, also has so many themes that like the food, the Filipino <laughs> food. You 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 know I being here in Kauai, there is this Filipino food truck, and they they're also in um, a lot of like um, just stores everywhere. I have been eating pancit and lumpia, halo, <laughs> like out out my ears. <laughs> it's like um, yeah, I love it. Yeah, and for you, like the Taiwanese, like every time I see sesame balls, like we call them buche, like they're, like like a chewy, like glutinous rice or covering, like with sesame right. seeds, and there's like sweet uh, sweet bean inside. So like it's it's very uh, common in like dim sum, right. and, like, Taiwanese restaurants, and Filipino restaurants that kind of have um, a lot of Chinese influence. So yeah, we 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 make it. We call it buche, and so every time I see it, I'm just like, oh, Lynn. <laughs> like every time I see them, I think about you. And now every time I see Halo Halo, because <laughs> and um, we got I, I sent you that picture of the Halo Halo I was eating. Oh, it looks so good, so good. And then we had it again somewhere else, and it was different. Like each one had a little different. Mm-hmm. Thing. You should tell people what Halo Halo is. I think a lot of people don't know, right? Yeah, so, so the, I mean, the, one of the reasons that it's so different everywhere you go, because Halo Halo literally means mix mix, and it's mm-hmm. kind of like, it's kind of like a shaved ice parfait. Um, so, you know, there's very often like a, like sweet beans, which again, like you're like sweet beans, but yes, <laughs> sweet yeah, beans. Yeah. Um, like palm fruit, uh, nata de coco, which is like a coconut gel, um, Sometimes it'll have fruit, uh, very often like saba banana, yeah. um, it, and it'll be topped maybe with like ube ice cream or ube jam and leche flan, and it's, co- you know, with evaporated milk. So like, it, there's like a lot that goes into it, but it, it's so personal. Like um, at the Filipino family parties I grew up at, like we would have like a halo halo bar where there's like a big shave ice machine and you would just kind of like go down and put whatever toppings that you personally want. And then you would add your ice and your, and your things like that. Um, so, yeah, like my, oh man, like what, like it's, it, I know we're still technically in the middle of things, but things are a little bit lightening. So like what, you know, um, book two takes place in summertime. So February in Chicago is not, <laughs> <laughs> was not the best time to try to promote that. Right. Um, but I'm hoping like maybe in the summer I can do some events that are like yeah. outdoors and I can have like a little hollow hollow bar spread. To, oh, I'm know. coming for that. <laughs> <laughs> you have that, I'll, I'll show up. I'll bring my sesame balls. <laughs> my uh, my second book had um, egg tarts, which um, I think that's a Portuguese like version mm-hmm. also. Um, and so I did give out egg tarts at my launch party this time. I, I gave out sesame balls for the first book, and then egg tarts. <laughs> um, I wanted to do a bubble tea one because bubble tea is mentioned in both books, but um, mm-hmm. it was just too complicated. So especially <laughs> in a pandemic, like you know, you yeah, have yeah. To do individual, like whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, the food, Taiwanese food and Filipino food, are not foods that are very well known. Um, mm-hmm. People don't even realize that they're you know that they're that Taiwanese food is different from Chinese food um, mm-hmm. and they also don't know much about uh, Filipino food so I think for us it's very important to get that out there and because every book I wrote I didn't intentionally start writing about food in my books but it's such a big part of our culture that mm-hmm. it just kind of showed up so every single one of my books now has Taiwanese food in it and I'm hoping with each book to add, like even the thriller, they eat um, <laughs> a different type of Taiwanese food that I describe in detail. And my editor's like, oh, I'm getting really hungry. Just <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and you do the same in your books with the Filipino food. 
So. Yeah, I mean, that's always like one of my favorite compliments. It's like, I was so hungry while reading your book. I had to look up like the nearest like Filipino restaurant or like my books include recipes. Right. And they're like, I've never tried Filipino food before. But like, you, you know, your books made it sound so good. I had to try one of your recipes. And I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, spreading the word. Yes. So yeah. that's but why if you, if you had to recommend one, like, like, you know, like if, if someone was like new to Taiwanese food and oh. you're like, look, if you, if you if you're going to Taiwan or if you find a Taiwanese restaurant, you have to try this. What would it be? It's my favorite food in the entire world. Like if I could only eat one thing for the rest of my life, this is what I would eat. Um, it, mm -hmm. they, there's two versions of it. One's a meat version and one's like a cuttlefish version. It's called rogan mm -hmm. or um, I call it baki, um, which is Taiwanese. Um, mm -hmm. And it is a thick soup. It's hard to describe. It's like a thick soup that's, it's got like bamboo shoots and shiitake mushrooms and sometimes daikon. And it's like this thing, I don't know what you call it. They make it like a <laughs> thing. It's either has pork in it with like fish paste around it that is cooked. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds disgusting, but it's so good. <laughs> and it's in the soup. And oh my God, I could eat that all day, every day. It's And it's so Taiwanese. Like nobody, mm -hmm. you've never seen that here. Like um, the only place I've ever had it was in Flushing when there used to be a big Taiwanese influence there. Um, mm -hmm. But Ever since it, Taiwanese people left Flushing, New York, I can't find it anywhere anymore. Like, my dad has to make it. So whenever I go back to Taiwan, that's all I want to eat. <laughs> and what about you? What's one thing that you uh, recommend? God, that sounds delicious. And, I know. You know, like, you, like, I have that problem where, like, you know, because I grew up with things, like, these are clearly delicious foods, but trying right. to explain it to, like, a Western audience right, or a right. Western palate, <laughs> like, huh? you know. Fish paste? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, like, you don't want to dumb it down. You don't want to hold their right. hands. You don't want to, you don't want to exhaust it, but you want to, like, let people know. Because, you know, like, even, like, things like textures, right? People are so, te yeah. but I feel like, in, you know, like, Asian food, again, to generalize, there's a lot of, like, maybe chewy textures. Like, right. you know, if you think, like, the sesame ball, and, like, people are like, oh, that's, I'm like, Jeez. no, it is delicious. <laughs> I need to, like, think of the like, ways to let you know just how amazing this is. Um, for me, because, like, Asian noodle soups are, like, are, like, oh, like yeah. ultimate comfort food. So, like, yeah. Taiwanese beef noodles, I'm like, Lynn, do you have yes. a really good, like, I'm like, I want them so bad. Um, yeah, my dad makes the best <laughs> one, so. If you ever yeah. come to and your New York, soup sounds amazing. I would love that. Like I love fish paste. I love fish cakes. Um, yes, and like and they mix it all together, and it's like in there. Oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So speaking of me, like yeah, I think for me, like I would, I would definitely say like Filipino soups. You know, like because like a lot of you know like. I, you know, I write about adobo because it's like our national dish right. and, you know, like people know, like to people, if, if you know Filipino food, you know pancit, which is like our noodles yep. uh, or lumpia, which are like our form of egg rolls. And I mean, those are all delicious. Um, but I feel like the ones that don't get talked about as often, um, but there's such like a like a wonderful array is like a lot of our soups. And one of my favorite is one called sinigang. Have, have you ever tried it? Yeah. yeah. I, they had it on the menu there. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, it's a tangy soup. Um yeah. And the base can be different depending on like what like region you're from or like just even, you know, family to family. So like this, it's, it's, it's a little bit sour tangy. So like it can be made with like tamarind or guava, or sometimes calamansi, which is a citrus fruit. And, um, and, and there's like, all, you can use different proteins. So like my favorite, of course, my favorite is shrimp because I'm a big seafood fan. But there's also like beef versions and pork versions and like vegetarian versions. Um, and we have like a wide array of like green vegetables. And it's like, we also have like daikon and, and stuff like that. And it's just... Again, like you wouldn't think like soup in like a tropical climate, but there's something just like oh, good. so yeah. refreshing and comforting. At, oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Here. I'm the same. <laughs> Love soups and Asian soups. So. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
So like, what what is it about food? Because like, you know, for me, like I, I chose a subgenre purposely because right. I wanted to explore what food means to me on a cultural, personal basis. But like your books technically are not about not. food, but they no. still find their way in. Like, what is it about food that you think um, draws you as a writer? You know, it's really funny because I had no idea I even wrote about food until I started getting <laughs> blurbs from authors and every single one of them said they were hungry. And I'm like, did I write about food? Like, I, I had no idea I did. And then I went back and read. I was like, oh, yeah, there's food. There's sesame balls. Oh, yeah, there's a night market. It's so it just seems to be that in Taiwanese culture, like I use this example. I took my husband back there a few years ago to do research for that first book. He's he's white. Irish guy, um, never been to Taiwan. And, you know, he thought we were going to go visit temples and see sightsee mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And all I did was take into day markets where there's food, night market, <laughs> food. We planned, you know, everything. And he said to me, is this all you do in Taiwan is eat? I'm like, yeah. Basically, he goes, are we going to go see temples? I'm like, no, we're just going to eat. And that just describes the Taiwanese culture. I mean, it's all mm -hmm. about food. There's food everywhere, and it's so good. It's like food you cannot get here. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, like, hungry just thinking about it. Like, it's yeah. so good and so, like, different. Like, you have to go there to experience it. And I think that's why it came out in my books, because I didn't mean to. Mm -hmm. But you can't write about the Taiwanese culture without writing about the food, so. <laughs> yeah, I think, it's, you know, same thing in the Philippines, because you know, I've talked to other Filipino writers about this. And again, I'm the only, like, of the Filipino authors that I know, like, I'm the only one where my, like, my subgenre demands it, because I, I write culinary, like, it's centered around a restaurant. Um, and again, it's just like, it's one of those things where it's so part, like, because, like, when you meet people, what do you, you get together to eat? If right. you're trying to comfort people, you make food for them. It, you know, if, you, if you're getting, like, a little gossip together, like, you have, right, it's, it's, it's so, you know, I remember I was visiting family in the Philippines and the help, you know, um, it's very common to have help there. Like, even if you don't have a lot of money. And so like, you know, we would eat breakfast and then like two hours later, the, the, um, the, 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 the house help would be like, Oh, do you want merienda? Which is like snack time. I was like, Oh no, it's okay. Like I just ate. And they're like, okay, here you go. And like, they give you the food anyway. And I'm like, okay. And then two hours later, it's lunchtime. And then two hours later, it's merienda again. And then two hours later, it's dinner. And then two hours later, it's like nice. It's just like, Oh my goodness. You're just so like, you're literally just, Every other eat. hour, you just keep on eating, and and but like, that's, that's what gets the family together. That's what like you know, family friends come over, and you're just sitting around like sharing a beer or eating like um like you know the snack. It's just like I can't imagine not being social. Like like do people just to get together to not eat? Like right. do you just sit right. around not eating or drinking right. anything? I don't know. I, it's <laughs> true. Yeah. It's such a foreign concept in my mind. Like, what do you mean? Of course, we're going to have to eat. Like, we're, we're hanging out with people. People right. are coming to my house. Am I not going to feed them? You know, so it's just, it's just so natural to me that other people are just like, oh, really? Like, that's how it is? <laughs> that I didn't question until other people started saying things like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Like, before we get too far from our writing. So like you mentioned you write fast. I, I just realized I don't think I've ever asked you this. Do you like plot or outline ahead of time? Or is it just like you're feeling the muse and you're you're by the seat of your pants kind of a thing? I used to be like that. And then I realized that was horrible. Like, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> so now I always outline the first I do like a synopsis and then I do a mm -hmm. chapter by chapter outline. So that I know exactly what's going to happen. And then I can move that around as I need to. And then so once I have that, then I sit down. And that's why I can write a book in two weeks, because I've already done all the research. I've laid mm. it out exactly what's going to happen. So I guess technically I didn't write it in two weeks since I outlined it first. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but when I sit down, so that's why I don't get writer's block because mm-hmm. I don't write until I know what I'm going to write. So two days ago, I just did an chapter. I, in one day, I did a chapter by chapter outline of my next thriller and the ideas just flowed. And I was like, thank God my block is gone. <laughs> and my, it was a mental, it was a mental block, not a writer's mm-hmm. block. It was a, a block of where I'm like, I suck. My books suck. Nobody wants to read mm. this crap I'm writing. So I'm, I'm going to stop. Um, and I was able to just outline the, the words flow. So yeah, I have to plot it. What about mm-hmm. you? Yeah, see, because like that's so interesting. Because again, like we, again, when you're looking on the outside, it's like, oh, I can't believe they write so fast. But like, we also forget that like researching is writing and right. thinking time is writing thinking. and plotting yeah. is writing, right? Like writing is not just, just the words on the page. There's so much that goes into it. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a light plotter. Like I, I definitely have to because you know again like because I write a series, I kind of have to turn in um, right. like early proposals to let them know like hey, I'm not going off the rails and like killing right. off the main <laughs> character. Like this is this is what I have planned, you know, kind of a thing. And um, this is gonna sound like really weird, but I think you'll understand. Like I actually kind of like writing a synopsis before I write the book, just because it. it it makes it the story itself clearer in my head, right? Because like lots of us have great ideas, but like those great ideas don't always translate into a story. So like if, if I can tell like a bare bones synopsis where I'm like, oh, there's a structure here, there's an arc. Oh, okay, that yes, I can do this. Right. It's not just vibes <laughs> and me. Right. So I'm like, oh no, it, it's this is just a list of all the dishes I want her to eat. This is not a story. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I give these synopsis to my agent mm-hmm. to look at because then she'll be like, Th- "That makes no sense." And then she's <laughs> like, "This is like, this is too trite. It's been overdone." Mm-hmm. Or, you know, mm-hmm. so I love to get her feedback just to see what she or she she's like, uh, "She's too young. You need to age her up okay. or something." You know? Well, that's so nice. I just get you know I like to give that to her so that she can give me feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I have so many right now, I think I gave her two thrillers, two women's fiction, <laughs> and two rom <romcoms. laughs> And two YA ideas. So she's just Isn't like, that one of the hardest things? You know, like a lot of times, like, yes, we worry about like writer's block and like, oh no, will I ever have a good idea? But like a lot of times it's hard to, like not as many people talk about like, what if I have lots of ideas and you only have, again, so many hours in the day. So it's just like, how do you, how do you choose a project? So like, it's, I, I, I it's give nice it to her and, and let her choose. <laughs> like, which one do you think I should focus on? So. Yeah, that's what I did because I have. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw that, but like again, I have. I, I have an, I, the, the kind of a similar basis right. for a rom com, but one's a YA idea, one's an adult, and I'm just like, they're so different, even though they're based on the same thing. Sh- should I are either of those good? Right. Should I write both of them because they're for different markets? Like, oh, what should I do? Right. It's like I'm gonna let her decide right. that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll take her, you know, wisdom, and then yeah, take that into consideration. Yeah, it's like, because, you know, finding that balance of, like, what satisfies me creatively, but what will also support right. me financially, exactly. because, like, right. I want to sell these things. Right. What, yeah. What's going to sell or not, but... I hope I'm not springing this on you because whenever people ask me um, what books I would recommend or what I've been reading, I'm like, have I ever read a book in my life? Like in the moment, <laughs> I'm like, always just like, oh, I don't do. I, do I read books? Yeah, <laughs> but, books? What about that? Yeah. <laughs> but I but I do love hearing what other people are reading and loving and would want to recommend. So like, I'm sorry, but off the top of your head, what what uh what are you liking right now? So I am binge reading thrillers lately. Um, mm. I think it's because I turned into a thriller writer. Like I can say I'm a thriller writer now um Mm. so I just read um well Jennifer Hillier is one that inspired (gasps) me I think I read her book I think it was called 
little secrets or something. Mm-hmm. Um, she so when I was thinking about turning my book into a thriller, that was one of the books that inspired me to do it. Um, so I love her books, and um, I just read Elmar's Strangers We Know, which is her mm-hmm. third book. Um, it's really good. Um, so I'm just like binge reading thrillers for some reason. And I just finished Kate Miles, The Receptionist. Mm-hmm. Um, like I literally just finished it. And so I'm just like on a thriller kick right now. What about you? Yeah. Oh man, Jennifer Hilliard, like Jar of Hearts. Like I read it maybe two or three years ago and it kind of just like still lives in my head rent free. Yeah. Like once in a while I'll like pause and like remember something. I'm like, God, that was fucked up. (laughs) And like Jennifer, like, because like I've met her before, you know, like I like I know her like online. Um, and and like you know, she's she's Filipino Canadian. I'm like, she's like the nicest person. Like she, like she's actually like really very. And I'm like, that's one of the interesting things about the crime fiction community. I've met some of like the kindest, sweetest people in my life who wrote them most like twisted, like, oh my God, how does your brain go there? Kind of like, it's it's fascinating, you know? I'm just like, wow. I'm fascinated by it. I think that's why I mm -hmm. turned that way because I'm like obsessed with why people do these strange things. (laughs) (laughs) And it's super cool. Yeah, and again, like in you, I'm just like, Lynn, like you're so, like, like you you know, you're basically a Disney princess with like animals flocking to you and, and you raising 15 foster dogs you know I'm just like and then you're like oh yeah and then my thriller X happens I'm like girl oh I know I I, I got the copy of it so I was reading it and I'm like I wrote that I was like, like you know it was like there was blood everywhere I was like oh my god who wrote that yeah yeah so as for me um you know I've, I've been open about this like online you know like where like the, the pandemic has been like especially 2020 was really right. really rough for my mental health right. so I actually was not reading a lot of mystery even though that's what I write and it's technically my favorite genre I've been reading a lot of romance because I've been oh, needing wow. like th- that happiness that adrenaline yeah. you know um but now like I'm doing better, thankfully. And, and you know, um, so like I've, I've been slowly easing back into my crime fiction reading things. So like I just finished a fellow Berkeley, a vinyl rusting place by oh, Olivia yeah. Black. Yes. She's starting a new cozy series that's centered around a family record shop outside of Austin, Texas, which was a lot of fun. Um, oh, so many puns. Uh, they also made me very hot, like... Um, there was one scene where I, 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 I put the uh, book down and I texted um, and I, I messaged Olivia and I was just like, I have to order a burrito for dinner because you made me so <laughs> hungry in this one scene. Um, just like, like Tex-Mex uh, infused things. That was actually one of the books I was going to recommend for if we got stuck in a desert oh, island. Oh, really? Place. Yeah. <laughs> Find the link for it. I didn't do that. So that's so okay. funny. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it comes out later this year, so it, it might not be available for pre-order just yet. Yeah. But like, but I just want to put it in people's radars. Um, I just finished that. Um, I mentioned Kelly Garrett earlier, and you know, again, even if she wasn't my friend, even if she wasn't my co-mentor, her latest book, um, "Like a Sister," just came out um, last week. Yeah, it, and. I just- I am amazed at like how much her writing has leveled. Like she's always been a great writer. I really enjoyed her Detective by Day, but um, you know, again, for you, some like like a little bit more like domestic suspense, a right. little bit more twisty that way. I was just like, she really leveled up, and it was so interesting. It, you know, I went from just like, oh, I only want fluffy, happy things, but you know, I should read her book because I want to. So, and I was just like, oh, and I read it in like one maybe two sittings wow. and I think the only reason I had to stop is because like I have to open today at work so like I had to stop um but like it, it broke one of my um 
it was one because like it was one of the few mystery books I picked up that I didn't that I didn't have to blurb right. I wasn't doing right. it because like oh, okay I needed to read this by a deadline. I picked it up and read it because I wanted to, and so like that kind of broke the seal. And like right now other book um, they come out tomorrow actually. Um, Secret Identity by Alex Segura, oh, which yeah. fuses my love of like noir with comic books because um, I mentioned before the book the you know sadly the book that died on sub takes place at a comic book convention because I'm a comic book fan. Right, right, right. Um, but, like, Alex is on another level. Like, he is part of, like, the comic book industry, so he knows that world so well. And it comes out really obviously in his writing. Um, it's, it's, like an, it's like a love letter to, like, classic noir and classic comic wow. books. Yeah. And then, um, finally, uh, Gigi Pondian, um, oh, Under yeah. Lock and Skeleton Key. Yes. Because, again, I right now I'm trying to, like, okay, I'm getting back into mystery. Let me read people doing things that I can't do yet, <laughs> but I want to. Um, and she is like the queen of like locked room, kind of like impossible mysteries, I think, or impossible crimes is what I think they call them. And it, you know, cause like, <laughs> as you know, now that you're writing a thrill that you've written thrillers, like writing mysteries or crimes are really, really hard. Cause you have to kind of like lay out certain things that are genre expectation. And I'm just like, oh, why did I think I can, like every time I'm like, why did I think I could do this? Right. <laughs> like I have to create this puzzle for other people to solve. Like, this is so hard. So like reading her books, it's like, Oh, okay, okay. So it's like, it's fascinating to me. So cool, yeah. All right, so Lynn, thank you again for joining me for this Always Authors podcast. It's just been so much fun catching up with you. Um, so can you tell us like what uh, to expect from you? Like what books to look out for? Anything you want to plug? Yeah, I just feel like we could just talk forever. And I did warn them <laughs> at Always Authors. I was like, we could just keep going. So you might have to cut us off. <laughs> but anyways, uh, my next, so my third book, it's called Someone Else's Life. It's a thriller and it's coming out on January, supposedly January 17, 20, what year are we in? 2023, I guess? <laughs> yeah. Next yeah. year. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about that. And Mia, it's just been so great talking to you again. And tell us when your next book is coming out. Yeah, so you know, um, my books release rather quickly. I know. So, <laughs> so book two in the series, as I mentioned, Homicide and Halo Halo, just came out at the beginning of February, same day as yours. And now book three in the series comes out this October. Wow. Um, I believe October fourth is the um, release date, and it's titled Blackmail and Babinka. A babinka is a type of rice cake that's traditionally served around Christmas time in the Philippines, because book three centers around Ooh. Christmas. Yeah. Can't wait. And it is. Um, like I have been really, really blessed with my covers, but, I and I know you're not supposed to choose favorites, but I think book three has my favorite cover so far. Like Ooh. Lynn, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but Longanisa is so cute on this cover. I can't wait till you see that little wiener dog. Oh yeah. yeah I can't wait. <laughs> but, All right, but yeah, so thank much. you again. And, yeah. uh, thanks always authors for having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please visit alwaysauthors.com to learn about upcoming episodes, to read a transcript of this episode, to buy the books discussed here, and for more information about our sponsors, bookfinity.com and Buxton Books. Always Authors is an exclusive production of Atomic Focus Entertainment. Cheers.